<laughs> Hello, kitties. It's your old pal, John Cusier, the voice of the Crypt Keeper. And tonight, I'd like to introduce all of you creeps to the Crypt Keeper's podcast, hosted by Spooky Bruce and Horror Ryan. But be careful what you ask for. You may get it. <laughs> Happy President's Day. <laughs> I am not a crook. Yeah, yeah. Fuck them, they should all be arrested. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you ready to get started? Let's do it. All right. Hello, boils, ghouls, and non-binary fiends. This is the Crypt Keepers. I'm one of the hosts, Spooky Bruce. Joining me as always is the man without fear, Horror Ryan. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Let's go! Hey, everybody. How's it going? I gotta, I gotta say, actually, I, I was I was struggling last night to come up with something. Yeah. And Grace is like, what is that thing for Daredevil, the man who knows no fear? And I was like, oh, the man who, who knows, who, without fear. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so she, I had to give her credit for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Ryan, tell, tell the listeners what kind of show this is. This is The Crypt Keepers, a podcast where we analyze the HBO horror anthology series Tales from the Crypt and the EC books that inspired them. This week, we'll be taking a look at episode 12 of season three yeah a deadline based on a story from shock suspense stories number 12 how you doing how was your weekend good yeah, yeah i feel I'm like still i was, enjoying I, it i feel like i was just here recording but it was like two weeks ago wasn't it it was like a week and a half ago yeah yeah, yeah. we're back on a regular schedule yeah we're back on a regular schedule that's why it feels like it's so yeah. close together well i asked to do this early because it's president's day and i have the day off yeah and this will allow me to get the recording done yeah and not interfere with the rest of the week <laughs> oh you'll interfere with my week Oh, I'm talking about like, I got to. Oh, you're saying I interfere with your week. No, no, no. <laughs> Here we go. God damn it. I can't win. Now I have some more uh, recording stuff to do. Uh, my band will be, we're working on a new release. Yeah. Awesome. Pretty excited about it. Um, awesome. I'll have to show you some of the concept art. Yeah. And stuff. I'm really, really proud of it. It's going to be great. Another guy I know has a release coming out. His band. Oh, yeah. I was sworn to secrecy though, so I can't say. Okay. Ooh, <laughs> juicy grapes. Yeah. Um, Guess what? Well, we both saw it. We, we, oh, hey. Okay. So, what did we both see over the week? What? Oh, Ant Man and Wasp. Ant Man and Wasp. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm a diehard Marvel fan. Yeah. It was all right. Yeah. You know, I I said that. Um, I, I texted you after, right after I saw it because you saw it on Thursday. I saw it on Friday night. Right. Right. Um, and I was like, eh. I think it was a really good Kang prequel. It was an Kang is awesome. That variant of Kang was awesome. He has to come back. Because that is the conqueror. That is the conqueror. The other ones, though, I did not like. Well, I I did some research, and I mean, essentially, they are different points of his time because he did. After research, so you texted me and said, "Oh, there's an uh, you know spoiler alert." Yeah, sorry, there's are they're going to be spoilers. Yeah. I'll put a note at the beginning of the yeah the, the, the uh, um, notes. There was one that was almost like a pharaoh. Yeah, there, the first appearance of Kang. He was not called Kang. It was retroactively like the Avengers had a villain where they went or no Fantastic Four went back in time mm -hmm. because they were like, oh, there's this person in uh, uh, Egyptian times that can uh, heal the blind. Uh -huh. Let's go investigate. Yeah. And it was a guy named like Raman Tut, I think is okay. his name. And then six months or so later, when Kang first appeared, he was like, oh, by the way, that was me. Okay. <laughs> because the whole thing is that he's a time traveler yeah, and stuff. Yeah. So he's been known by different names. Okay. And, uh, 
basically is just a bunch of his variants. But yeah. I mean, I, I think I don't. But the, I don't the heart think... of the Ant Man movie was taken out to shoehorn the bigger. Event. Yeah, yeah. You know, because like um, Ant Man's crew is not in it. Yeah. At all. Oh yeah. 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 Like the, there's the whole um, security team. Yeah. Now, one of the guys, I uh, can't remember his name. He does. He plays like the Eastern European guy. That's yeah. Um, that's um. Oh god, I can't he remember plays the penguin. What's that? He plays uh, the penguin in the Batman show. No, he right? played. No, he played. Um, he he played a polka dot man. Yes. In uh, the Suicide Squad. Yes. And he was in the Dark Knight. Oh, okay. He's Maybe one that's- of the Joker's. Um, yeah, I can't remember his name right uh, now. I thought he played Oswald Cobblepot somewhere. Maybe I don't think he did. Maybe I don't know. Eh. You're the DC guy. I don't no, know. I, I you know if he did, I don't remember it. Oh, so well, he's actually in the movie. Yeah, he plays the gel creature. Oh, he does. That gets a hole. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. like he, but it's kind of weird where it's like this is the third movie and half the cast of the first two movies are not in it. It's David uh, um, Das Malchian. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, by the way, really? every other line from uh, Michael Douglas was, holy shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> by the way, can we explain like the shoehorning in of them revealing that Janet... The thing is, she's a fucking villain in this story. You know, it, it, okay, so it makes no sense compared to the end of Ant-Man and Wasp. Oh, by the way, yeah, their house uh-huh. at the end of Ant-Man and Wasp is on a beach. Because Hank Pym shrinks it. Oh, yeah. And puts it on a beach. Yeah. Then it's back in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. But also at the end, at the end in the post credit scene at the end of Ant-Man and Wasp. Yes. They're doing an experiment on a like parking garage for Ant-Man to go into the quantum realm. Yeah. But that, Janet, you know, that, that leads into uh, that, Infinity War. It leads into in Infinity War because he gets, he gets trapped in the quantum realm well, because everyone yeah, gets yeah. dusted. Janet, Janet Van Dyne is there. Yeah. But then she's like, oh, you can't go to the quantum realm. It's too dangerous to go to the quantum realm in this movie. Oh, shit. Wow. Yeah. That, God damn it, Bruce. <laughs> wow, that's it. Yikes. Well, the thing is, it, it also, it's like, that's another fucking plot hole that ruins the movie. For sure. <laughs> like, I just don't think that they paid enough attention to the previous no, movies. And, and all, one of the things that really, like, I, I told uh, Chris and Grace and Courtney afterwards that I, I my eyes hurt from rolling so much because half the movie is mystery mongering about Kang. Yeah. Because we know it's Kang. They announced it was going to be Kang long before the movie was made. The next Avengers movie called the Kang Dynasty. Yeah. And we know it's going to be called the Kang Dynasty. He's in all the previews, but they kept going like him. Oh, we can't talk about him. Oh, he might be coming. Like, who's he? We can't tell you right now. Like, we already fucking know. Right. Why are you fucking doing this? Yeah. Also, fuck your fucking trauma. I'm sorry. But you need to tell people this shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing where she was like, oh, I, I was so traumatized. I couldn't tell anyone. By the way. One of the worst people in existence who right. went to destroy everything. I met him down there. Yeah. And I met real. Space Hitler. Yeah. yeah. I met. <laughs> Will you please write a book? Like, what are those? You show me, like, those, like, really short stories that's just, like, insane. Oh, God. I can't remember um, what it is right now. Can't remember where they are. But basically, you should do a short story and be like, the time I met Space Hitler. Space Hitler. <laughs> there, I just thought it didn't make much sense. There's a movie called Guess Who's Back? Where like this dude just finds Hitler on the side of the road in like the modern age and like takes him up and takes him around, shows him modern society, like trying to make him a good person. 
What? Yeah. Guess who's back? Yes. Is that a sequel to Look Who's Talking? Oh, it should be. <laughs> we find out the baby's Hitler. Oh. <laughs> so I thought that was strange. I mean, it was still good, but I think it was just a segue to get this next phase um, kind of off the ground. Yeah. Because Loki was the the little confirmation that, okay, we're doing Kang next. Yeah. And then this is the one where you actually see, you know, spoiler alert, a lot of people are saying like, wow, he's supposed to be the next big bad, but he just lost to a bunch of ants. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, uh, kind of. Well, you know, if there's thousands of them. Yes. Yeah. And they're all supersized and mm-hmm. super intelligent. Yeah. That, you know, yeah. makes sense. Although I don't think they were acting that way at the end. No. They were acting like a bunch of like uh, frat boys. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Um, but overall, I thought it was a pretty good movie. Uh, I can't wait. The the actor, what's his name? Please, Kang. Um, that's uh, Jonathan Majors. He's the man. He is fucking awesome. He if, carried that fucking movie on yeah, his shoulders. Yeah. With the pride. I could listen, you know, like, like they say, I could listen to him read the phone book. His delivery is so good. Yeah. Yeah. And it was one thing where I told Nat, like, the reason I love him in this movie is because he's so intelligent that one, he's cuckoo for cocoa poops. Mm-hmm. And two, he has no patience. Like Jonathan Majors, he actually changes his facial expressions because mm-hmm. his character is annoyed that he has to explain things to normal people. Yes. Yeah. And I love that touch. Yeah. Where he's just like so like not into yeah. talking to these people. Yeah. You know? And I like I like how he played it like I'm barely in control of myself. Yes. Like a lot of times he was like whispering, right? And then the moment he got annoyed. He, very, he lost his temper. Very unhinged. Yeah. Very unhinged. Yeah. Um, I would highly suggest uh, watching his breakout show, The Lovecraft Country. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. He's amazing in that. Really? I think I think the entire cast is amazing in that. And this is, mul- is that multiple seasons? No. Only one season. Oh, okay. Yeah. Only one season. Um, because it was based on the book. Mm-hmm. They wrap it up in one season and it doesn't, there's nowhere else for the story to go. But just as a single like season of TV, it's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, nice. Yeah, hell yeah, check it out. Uh, Speaking of, he was. uh, By the way, um, uh, David uh, Dasmalchian, he was on Gotham, but he only two episodes. He played some guy named Dwight Pollard. Okay, he's also on the Flash, playing Abracadabra. He's a busy bee. He's he's a very busy bee. Yeah. But speaking of unhinged, (laughs) warning: this episode might not make a lot of sense. No. Like we talked about this before and we actually, after the last episode, we watched after the last episode we, we recorded, yeah. we had some time and you're like, you want to watch the next one? I was like, sure. And we watched it kind of half paying attention to it. And then we were both like, what the fuck happened? Right. What, what happens to this? And then you said, it feels like the third act was taken out of it. Yeah. We go from just the third act to the, the second act to the ending. Yeah. Right. And the first time we watched it again, I'm, I did the say that we were half paying attention. I was like, this is trash. Yeah. The second time I watched it, I was like, actually, this is decent. And then it just goes it, off the rails. It goes and, trash. Yeah. It, it, it goes trash. Yeah. 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 I thought it was pretty good at first. There was a good setup, but it literally feels like the third act is missing. Yeah. It got edited out. Yeah. And then the ending, you're kind of like, huh, but we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. We will get there. Oh, by the way, a big uh, honorable mention to uh, uh, Shin Godzilla. Oh, yeah, you watched that. Yeah, me yeah. and um, Nat and Dylan, we uh, we were on a mission like a year and a half, two years ago, uh-huh. to watch every Godzilla movie. Yeah. And we finally got to nice. Shin Godzilla. Uh, that is an amazing movie. I think it's top three. It, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. I, love I, the, I put it up the there with like the first one. 
Oh yeah. yeah. I'd say the first one. I have a soft spot for King Ghidorah, so mm-hmm. even though it does get a little goofy, but I like Mechagodzilla too. But as far as the ones that like I consider true to the actual mm-hmm. meaning of Godzilla, yeah. it's Godzilla and then uh Godzilla eighty four. Okay, yeah. Shit of Godzilla. I, man, if I had to pick like I said, Godzilla, the original Godzilla. Oh yeah. Um Shin Godzilla and somewhere competing with both both of, uh, competing for that, that third spot would yeah. be like Godzilla 84 yep. like you said and um, Godzilla Mothra King Ghidorah all out giant monster attack just because it's so wacky it's so bonkers <laughs> that and uh, Godzilla Final Wars yes or just like yeah. someone God- with a kaiju collection like toy collection did a bunch of cocaine and started filming Godzilla Final Wars has the best opening title credits it's of boss. the series yeah it's boss yeah so much just yeah. <laughs> like, like you watch that and you're like let's go I'm ready for this fucking movie let's do this god damn it oh shit I could put I have to so Matt and I we have this thing where we'll watch a movie mm-hmm. and do you ever do this where like it might not be funny to anyone else but you or whoever you're watching with you're watching a scene and you're like this fucking this line is fucking hilarious okay so Nat and I were it was Valentine's Day, uh, happy late Valentine's yeah. Day, everybody, and we we're watching uh, My Bloody Valentine 3D. Okay, the from like 2009. Yeah, Tom Atkins is in it. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And so it got sexy. I mean, it's already yeah. Yeah. Come on, it's Tom Atkins. He probably <laughs> fucked all our moms. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a scene where he's trying to break up a fight, and for in me and Nat, we looked at each other. We're like, did he just say two? connected sentences separate <laughs> but and he he yells and basically he's supposed to say everybody stand down god damn it yeah but the way that he says it one sounds like he's having a heart attack <laughs> and two it sounds like two sentences that are broken apart that he just said real fast does that make sense yes like he goes everybody stand down god Damn! <laughs> like goddamn, it should be like there should be a pause, a pause after the emphasis that he put on goddamn. But there is none, and we were laughing so hard. That's my ringtone now. <laughs> Every time I get an email, it's Tom Atkins saying, "God damn it!" I used to have uh, Mulder fighting an alien for the first time, seeing the alien body, yeah. and screaming. It's his I, scream. Yes, I have to. I have to play it. Find the video of it and play it for you. It's Hell, hilarious. That's yeah, awesome. like um, apparently. He did it in one take, and he's never been able to like replicate that noise ever again. Ah! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, are we ready? Yeah. Um, actually, I watched the movie over this week, uh, over the weekend too. Um, actually, I think it was last week. Yeah, I got on Thursday night. Uh-huh. Yeah, it has the most badass title for a movie ever. Give it to me. It's a Japanese crime movie from the 1970s called "Battles Without Honor or Humanity." Damn. Yeah. That's- yeah. Oh my god, this movie is in fucking insane. All right, so it's set in uh, the Hiroshima prefecture. Okay. Not not the city, but the, the prefecture, the area, right, right after World War II, Ooh. right? In the first 15 minutes of this movie, the characters stop an attempted rape by G- American GIs. Uh. Two characters get their arms chopped off because they are encroaching another gang's territory. Uh, a bunch of people get in a fight with another Yakuza guy with a sword, and one gets, guy gets his head split open, one guy gets his ear cut off, and another someone else kills the Yakuza with a gun. And then... And then in prison, someone slices his own belly open in hopes that he will be released from prison because the prison doctors can't patch him up. That's the first 15 minutes of the movie. Wow. Yeah. And it just gets crazier from there. Okay. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> like it was the right thing to do. Yeah. Jeez. 
and then and then the the director of it made four sequels in three years <laughs> yeah you know yeah we have, we have you have to watch all of oh them. absolutely okay yeah absolutely what's it called again <laughs> battles without honor or humanity one through four yeah yeah wow. they have like they have like names like the head of the boss uh police tactics things like that they're on the they're on that app i told you about sick yeah yeah midnight so. pulp midnight pulp yeah yeah uh so you ready to get into this let's do it all right so we're looking at deadline from season three episode 12 directed by walter hill written by walter hill and may woods starring richard jordan richard head and marge helgenberger Charlie was once an ace reporter on top of the world, at least according to Charlie. But his alcoholism and rage have driven him out of a job. When he meets Vicky, a woman probably half his age, he starts to turn his life around. He manages to land a job with a paper on the murder beat. But Charlie isn't the reporter he used to be, and finding a story isn't easy as it once was. However, one seems to fall into his lap when Charlie overhears a man murdering his wife. But Charlie's desperation for a big story just might send him over the edge. Dun, dun, dun. Wow. <laughs> you made it sound a lot better than it is. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, it's a it's a very simple story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, and it, like, like we said, it feels like it's missing the third act. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the third act is found in the, the book. The denouement. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe. Yeah. Well, at least it's, it's a. a it's a satisfying conclusion. This is the start of a story. Yes. And we missed the rest of the story. Right. I think. Yeah. You all will understand. Once yeah. We get once to we it. get into it. So we have Walter Hill. We've talked about him before. He's one of the creators of, um, of tells in the crypt, uh, executive producer, executive producer. He directed, um, he did, uh, he directed two other episodes, the man who was death yes. and cutting cards. Those are both in the first couple of seasons. Uh, yes, they're both in the first season. Uh, Cutting Cards, we love because it has our man Lance Henriksen in it. Yeah, uh, he also did the Warriors, Forty Eight Hours, another four, and another Forty Eight Hours, Streets of Fire, and Red Heat. Nice. Yeah, and and then we he he also wrote all of those, and then we have May Woods as the writer. She's I, I'm not exactly sure what her relationship to uh, Walter Hill is, but she has been a writer, producer, and additional crew, quote unquote, on all of his movies, all of his projects. Nice. Yeah. Um, then we have Richard. That's that right. Richard Jordan. Is that who it is? Richard Jordan's R- Charles. R- Richard Jordan as Charlie or Charles. Um, he he's got his his first role was in a, um, a noir TV series called The Naked City back in the fifties. Oh wow! And then he did like Logan's Run, uh, a made-for-TV movie called yeah, yeah, The Yakuza. Ah. Yeah, uh, he was in Les Miserables, Raise the Titanic, which has the most like <laughs> it's a, it's based on the Clive Cussler novel. I think that's how you say the guy's name. And it has he played a character with the most like made-up badass name ever. Ooh, Dirk Pitt. There you go. Yeah, you don't fuck um, with that guy. He was Duncan Idaho in the original Dune movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was in Manhunt: The Search for the Night Stalker. He played Frank Salerno, who in real life was the basis for Dirty Harry. Oh, yeah. And then uh, he's also in Hunt for October. Uh, but he passed away in '93 from a uh, brain tumor. Oh no. Yeah. This was. Oh, well, this, this was '91. Was, yeah. So this is only a couple years. A couple years. Yeah. Oh wow. And then we have Marge. It's Marge, right? Yes, Marge, Marge Helenberger, Hel- Helgenberger as yeah. Vicky. She started with small roles on Spencer for Hire, Matlock, and Thirty Something. She was in Tommyknockers. Nice. Yeah, uh, she was in this made-for-TV movie. I don't know what it is, but I love the title: "When Love Kills: The Seduction of John Hearn." Ooh. Yeah. Uh, she was in Species and Species Two. She was like the main scientist 
Oh, bit. wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've seen uh, this. Fire Down Below. And then she was on 264 episodes of CSI. Oh, and wow. then a bunch of its spinoffs. She's I've never seen those shows, but... I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea. But I recognize her like from like cast photos now, like when I start thinking about it. Right. Yeah. Wow. Then we have Richard Hurd, and he, he plays um, his Charlie's boss of the newspaper. Yes. He and he has a very small role, but I wanted to bring him up because people know who he is without realizing they know who he is. Oh, yeah, I've he, seen him before. He, he had, yes, you, you definitely have. He had 156 credits before he died in 2020. Oh, wow. Right. Um, he, uh, he, started with Hercules, Her, he started with Hercules in New York. What? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, um, they brought over this Italian bodybuilder, right, to play Hercules. In this, uh, it was an American movie, and then they overdubbed his voice with someone else's voice. Nice. Yeah. And I think Richard Hurt plays a newscaster in that. He was in All the President's Men, The China Syndrome, shows like The Great American, the Greatest American Hero, MASH, Starsky and Hutch, TJ Hooker, The A-Team and Knight Rider. He was in the V miniseries. But his biggest claim to fame is that he was in 11 episodes of Seinfeld as George's boss at the Yankees. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's where everyone knows him from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have like I kind of want to touch on them. They don't have big roles, um, and I didn't want to go through all their credits because they have small roles. But we also have John Polito. He plays the man Nikos who kills his wife. Yes, right. Um, you will recognize he's been in a ton of stuff. Um, he passed away, I think, twenty sixteen. But the thing I know him most from is he, he always played like um, uh, sleazy, like cops or you know, low class people. Right. Or sometimes he's like judges and stuff. Right. He, he has, he has a weird like bulldog look. Yeah. And he's very short. He's very short. He's very stout. Yeah. And he has like, um, God, he has that like, like I, I keep coming back to this. He has that bulldog face. Yeah. Right? But the, very thing, intimidating. the thing I know most from is that he was the pawnbroker in the crow. I don't, I'm, it's been so long since I've seen yeah. it. I don't, I don't even know if I've seen it all the way through. Wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. I don't know. And then, then there's, uh, yeah, that's it, really. Really? Yeah. 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 So, all right. <laughs> Do you want to go into the breakdown? Let's go. Okay. We got through that list quickly. Yeah. I mean, honestly, wow. there's really only two or three characters in this story that, yeah. like really do much. Usually I can fill up a lot of time talking about the shows these people have been on, but hey. I'm sorry I'm failing everyone. Yeah, no. No. <laughs> You're not getting the info dump of my stores of TV knowledge. Which is incredible, by the way. Thank you. It's like a superpower. It's pretty <laughs> fucking ridiculous. <clears throat> Are we ready to get into it? Yeah. Hang on a second. Let me, I have an alarm getting ready to go off. I turned that off. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's go. All right. Once again, this is Season 3, Episode 12, Deadline, which premiered August 14th, 1991. The episode opens with a Crypt Keeper... Uh, at his bar and the camera is panning through this cocktail bar which i love that there is a uh <laughs> there's skeleton ladies and gentlemen enjoying their drinks yes as the camera pan down a skeleton in a 1950s waitress style dress walks quote unquote by the camera holding a tray of drinks and cryptkeeper is the bartender so is cryptkeeper a necromancer or are they were they just there i don't know yeah <laughs> It's wild. There's some questions in this episode. I that mean, that bar looks dope. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd be down to drink there. The Crypt Keeper says, ah, what'll it be, stranger? May I introduce uh, May I uh, introduce you to a Mai Dai? Oh. <laughs> or a rum and choke? <laughs> or something a little stronger? I got just the thing. And he pulls out his book. It's a story of Charlie who needs a murder story and a drink, but not 
in that order. Oh, actually, actually, he does name in that order. He does. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> now, I want to say something before we get into this. Sure. Uh, you can interpret the ending in a couple different ways. Yeah. Now, I base my inter- interpretation that I read off and that I'm going to go with off what they say in the comic. Yeah. But I think there's another way to look at it and we'll get into it when we get to the end. Yeah. I think the ending, if once we compare the ending to the episode and the comic, the TV episode fumbles it. Yes. Because of a very crucial detail. Yes. In the last scene. Yes. But we will get there. Okay. All right. The episode opens up with Charlie in a close-up shot in a moonlit room. It's basically just his face. Yeah. And he's explaining that he used to be a newspaper man who'd do anything for a story, but he has a problem. This segues to a bar in the past, and Charlie is, quote, resting his head on the bar. (laughs) Bartender Mike comes up to check on Charlie. Mike tells Charlie that, hey, didn't you say that you had a meeting with the newspaper editor, Phil, tomorrow? And it's getting pretty late. How about you get a coffee, a shave, clean yourself up? Charlie gets upset, stands up, and says, I may be down on my luck, but I've been to the very top, and I don't need to take advice from some drink pusher. (laughs) You know, he wasn't pushing a drink on you. He really, actually, he was pushing... Coffee. Coffee. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a drink. Yeah. Mike apologizes and pours Charlie another drink, which is exactly what a bartender should do once they get insulted. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. This bartender's being very understanding. Yes. Actually, he's probably the only, like, really nice person in this whole episode. Yeah, yeah. Really, because he's just like, hey, I could make more money off you, but you look like you're in a rough place. Yeah. Just then, a lady walks in, (laughs) and Charlie says, hey, I'll go buy her a drink. Charlie walks over to her and asks if she's waiting for someone, and she replies, nobody special. Charlie says that he's a reporter and deduces that a pretty girl in a Skid Row bar could mean that she's a hooker. Classy. Yeah. Keeping it classy. Yeah. She replies, I'm not for hire. I'm particular. Which, you know, that wasn't a denial. 100%. Yeah. 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 Mike delivers their drinks and they toast. She says that her name is Vicky. Charlie says that in the, he's in this bar regularly to get scoops on the crime beat. And maybe he could do an interview with her. Charlie says, what's your story? And Vicky says, you know my story. I'm pretty. That's a great line. That's a great, That's a great line. line. This this whole episode, I think, is like the previous previous episode. It's a very noir kind of story. I think it. I think it makes me upset more at the ending because it's such a good noir story in the beginning. Yes, that it's like you're like, ooh, okay, yeah. let's, let's, where's this gonna go? Yeah, and then it just it just ends like a yeah. wet fart. <laughs> so, Char. Oh, and then after that, we go back to Charlie in the moonlit room, and he explains that he's been with a bunch of ladies, but Vicky was special, and he felt like the old him again when they would talk, and it shows them and it's um. I can't think of the uh, term. A, a, a trashy one-bedroom apartment. Yeah, uh, uh, like one-room apartment. There's a there's a bedroom with like some kitchen appliances in there, and then a separate bathroom. That's it. Right. With the paint peeling off the walls, everything's dingy. Yeah. 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 Uh, the next morning, Charlie and Vicky are getting dressed. She's about to leave, and Charlie asks her to go to lunch. She responds, "Hey, I don't like to be tied down. 
and I have a bunch of boyfriends. Charlie responds, I'll make it easy. We had a great time. There's the door. I got my own problems. Vicky says that that's a great attitude, and then they can see each other again, but didn't want anything more. Now, at the newspaper office, Charlie is getting the runaround to go see Phil, the editor, but Charlie spots him and just darts over to ask for a job. Phil is dismissive at first, and he says, maybe some other time. Charlie says that he's quit drinking and he met a girl that showed him that he's been wasting himself. Phil says that he'll give him a trial run, but he wants a more murder story. Something, quote, real juicy. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm like, I mean, you can't predict when there's going to be a murder. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm just saying, like, go get me a murder story. What if yeah, there's no murders? Yeah. You know, it, it's weird. Um, uh, I've, I've learned from taking all these criminology classes that you cannot predict when a murder is going to happen. Yeah. But you can predict the murder rate in a city pretty accurately. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's it's insane. Hmm. Later, Charlie visits his sister Mildred. She is very happy to see him and says, "You're not here to see me. You're here for another loan." Charlie says that he just got a job and he won't get paid till he has a story. Mildred gives him the money but tells him to never come back, and she knows that he'll just use this rent money to drink himself stiff. Charlie says, "Maybe you're wrong this time." At the bar, Charlie tells Vicky that he's quitting drinking, and he also tells Mike, "I I got my old job and a cash advance." <laughs> you know, it it seems like there's almost like a party atmosphere in the bar this time. Oh it's yeah, it's not empty. There's like it's filled with people. Oh yeah, it's really yeah, weird. Sure. I just think it's really funny. He calls his loan from his sister a cash advance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike walks by and he says, "Hey, I got my old job and a cash advance," and uh, they said that they really miss having a pro on the murder beat. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they said. Yeah, you know, it, that was something what made me think that, like, you know, in, in the beginning, he talks about how, like, he's he has been, uh, he's interviewed presidents and popes and everything, like that he's, he's full of shit. Top. Yeah, he, that he's never been there. Yeah, I feel like he's full of shit, because yeah. he just, in that one sentence, he lies, like, three times. Yeah. About what actually happened. Mm -hmm. Then, later, after sex with Vicky, <laughs> Vicky says, this is another good line. She's great in this. She goes, yeah. how about that for a story? <laughs> that she's putting her top on? It's fucking awesome. Charlie says that when he gets more money from a big story, uh, the next one he'll write, he'll buy her some earrings. She declines and says, hey, we have a good thing going here. Don't spoil it. No phone numbers, no last names. Yeah, so it's clear that that his nonchalant attitude about being with her it's completely fake. Well, yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. But I am I mean, from the offset, she was very much like, hey, this is what this is. Yeah. Do you want this? Do you yeah. not want this? And he was like, yeah, fuck. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And then the, the second time they sleep together, he's like, I'm going to buy you earrings. I'm in love with you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The next day at the office, Charlie is calling all of his old crime beat leads, but he is getting nothing. Phil walks by and asks how it's going. And Charlie says it's fine and that a big story is on its way. Phil uh, pats his shoulder and says, I hope so, Charlie. I hope so. At the bar, Charlie arrives saying that he can't uh, get any leads and he needs a drink. Mike refuses and tells Charlie that he's pulling for him and that he needs to go to the nearby Greek diner for some dinner and coffee. He has chili that will change your life or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently. It'll pick you up. It'll pick yeah. you up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, the thing is, it's funny. That's the second time he's been to the bar since he quit drinking. 
Yeah. And the first one was to announce he quit drinking, he yeah. got a job, blah, blah, blah. And then this one, he's like, hey, after one day of searching for leads, I need a drink. Yeah. And the like, God bless Mike. Yeah, he's he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Yeah. He's like, dude, no. You're, he even says something when, um, when Charlie, the, the previous day, mm-hmm. he... Uh, says I quit drinking. I got the job. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. Mike's like, oh, you're my best customer, but I'm really proud of you. Yeah. He's so, a good like, bartender. He's a he, good friend. He's a, actually, I think we need a Tales from the Crypt Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, he's in the Hall of Fame. Because yeah. there's so many shitty characters. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and we need to highlight just the nice people. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I nominate Mike the bartender. Yeah, he's he's our he's our first ever Hall of Famer. Dun, yeah, Mike dun, the bar, dun, bartender. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> the next day in the office, I already wrote that. I already read that. Why would I say that out loud again? <laughs> Fuck me. Oh, that's definitely staying. In. Oh yeah, whatever. <laughs> Mike refuses, like I said, the drink and tells him to go to the nearby uh, diner for some coffee and soup that will change your life. At the diner, the owner, Nico, is trying to talk to Charlie, but Charlie only wants to read his newspaper. He's basically like, can I just read this newspaper, please? Yeah. And he goes like, okay, and then walks away. Nico goes to the back, and Charlie can overhear Nico in an argument with a woman, calling her a whore and saying that she will not be going out tonight. Charlie then hears a scream, a crash, and a thud. Ooh. Charlie stands up to investigate. Nico comes out from the back, saying over and over, I killed her. I killed her. Charlie looks and sees that there's a lifeless body of a woman facing away from him. And Charlie immediately takes out his notepad and starts grilling Nico. Yeah, yeah. Like, immediately. I kind of wonder if if Charlie had put down his newspaper and just talked to Nico if this would have happened. Probably not. Yeah. Nico Nico needed. Oh, you're saying, like, if he he didn't dismiss him and said, let me read my newspaper? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Like, if he just, Nico had just vented in that moment. I mean, I think Nico is always going to, like, or Nikos. Yeah, I think it's Nikos. Was always going to do this. Oh, yeah. Right. But it would have stopped it in that moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Nico says, she's been running around and I couldn't take it anymore. She's been picking up guys at bars and screwing them to humiliate me. And I strangled her. He then starts to cry as Charlie goes into the room where the body is to call the police. He's actually calling Phil to tell him about the story, but he looks over and the woman on the ground starts to move. And Charlie says, I'll call you back. Yeah. And he hangs up the phone. (laughs) He turns the body over to reveal that it is a very much alive Vicky. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. Charlie says, how could you do this to me? And strangles her. Now, she's 100% D-E-D dead. Yes. Then, while drinking a nearby bottle of booze, Charlie, who's all sweaty now because he's yeah. murdered a chick, he calls the newspaper with the headline, quote, inflamed by jealousy, a distraught man squeezed the life out of his unfaithful wife while she laughed and taunted him. After hiring a private detective, prove that she was cheating Nikos flew into a rage. Nikos wept as he confessed to police. And the scene fades to black. Okay. So, here's, so this is where the story loses something. So let's stop. Yes. <laughs> let's think about what's now, happened. Now, let's take a moment and guess what happens next. You're going to be wrong. You're going to be wrong. <laughs> You're going to be wrong. So just to recap, uh-huh. Charlie seemingly... Seemingly. Has committed a perfect crime. Uh huh. Yes. 
Because Nikos thinks that he killed her. Yeah. There's a dead body. He's going to confess to killing her. And he's got the story. Yeah. He's already called his editor. It's and, it's a slam dunk. And uh, he's asked Charlie, like, have you called the cops? Charlie's like, yeah. And he's making no effort to get away or stop him or anything. Oh, He's, he's ready to go away for this. Oh, no, he's already. Yeah. He admits yeah. I killed her. Yeah. Like, he's just ready for the cops to get there to pick him up because he killed his wife. Yeah. And. Huh. huh. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Now, after we face the black. We are in the moonlit room from earlier, <laughs> and the camera pans away from Charlie to reveal he's in a straight jacket. <laughs> Charlie says, now I have to write a book about my life as a reporter and a criminal. I'll write it as soon as I get out of this thing, but you know what? I really need a drink. The camera pans further to reveal that he's in a nut house. And that's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. There was a whole third act where he go. He has a career as a, because I assume that he has a whole career as a criminal. Because, to write a book. To write a book. Yeah. Because this would not fill a book. Right. So from the very beginning of the story, this moonlit room, because we see the, we see his yeah. face in a moonlit room three yeah. times mm -hmm. where essentially it's him saying, Hey, I'm a newspaper guy. And he tells you this story. Yeah. yeah. And then just, yeah, so it's it just it's infuriating because it's a good setup, but he doesn't get caught on camera. Yeah, yeah. We, there's, he just goes, well, meh. we don't know why it drove him insane. At least we in the comic they make it explicit why he went insane. Right. Or in that, he doesn't even go insane in the comic, but they that it would lead you to believe. What you read in the comic would lead you to believe how he got to this point. He's at least show. distraught. Yes, but um. I don't know. Yeah, we're missing a whole story here. This is just the very beginning of the sto his story. Yeah. This yeah. Is just, I mean, by the, like he said, I'm going to write a book about my life as a reporter and a criminal. So did we just watch his villain origin story? Yeah, this is his origin story. But yeah. then we just get to the end where he's in a nut house. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay so it, now I, I say it. I said it the... In, in the synopsis that his desperation for a big story will send him over the edge. Right. Yes. I, I took it because of how the comic reads that he killed her to get his story. But what he says though, is how could you do this to me? Yeah. And he might've been doing it out of a jealous rage. I think it was killing two birds with one stone. Yeah. It may have been. He yeah. It's a story and he gets revenge. On, well, the thing is though, let's be real. This chick said, this is what this is. Yeah. No last names, no phone numbers. You said you were going to buy me earrings. I don't want earrings. I don't want to spoil this. Right. She didn't do anything. She didn't, to him. she didn't do anything to him. No. No. She, I mean, listen, if you're consenting and you know, someone approaches you yeah. with those terms yeah. of whatever mm -hmm. you all do. Yeah. And you say, yes, that's cool. Uh huh. That's on, that's your fault. Yeah. Yeah. That's the kind of thing where like, there's, you know, we've all seen those relationships where it's like, or, you know, you've seen the movies and whatever, uh -huh. where one person's like, this is what a relationship with me will be like. Yeah. The per other person agrees and then gets upset. Right. Yeah. When that yeah. activity arises mm -hmm. again, because they're hoping for something more and they've convinced themselves there's something more. It's not fair. Yeah. No, no, Listen, it's not fair to yourself. And it's not fair to them. Don't be with a gangster if you're going to get mad at gangster shit. Yeah, exactly. Just exactly. Saying. That's very white when you said it. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not condoning it. No, no, absolutely not. Because no. I'm not the kind of person that would just go up to people and be like, no names, no phone numbers. Right. You know. Yeah. But yeah. I'm just saying, if that if the night that you meet someone and get intimate with them, that's what they say. Yeah. You have no right to be angry. Yeah. yeah. At all, in yeah. my opinion. And so I think that's part of his being unhinged. Mm -hmm. It's because he's not being reasonable. But I... 
the, the he was in love with her the moment they slept together. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, because he could, even uh, in the segue when he was in the moonlit room, mm-hmm. he goes, "I've never had trouble with the ladies, but this one was special." Like I'm pretty sure that was bullshit too. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he finally like found a, a woman that like liked him. Yeah, we'll put up with him. Yeah. Yeah. And because he, like you said, uh, dingy one bedroom apartment. Yeah. Uh, that he needed his sister to pay his uh, rent. Yeah. Which was five hundred dollars, by the way. Wow. Yeah, because the sister go. There was one line that the sister said when she handed him his money, and she was like, "Oh, um, you would think that you would come here every other time to make it look good, yeah. But no, you just come here for the money." And I'm like, "You're such a piece of shit." Yeah. Every every most of the families in this world has that guy in there. Oh yeah. The oh bullshitter yeah. that thinks he's bigger than he is, mm-hmm. and will let everyone know. Like how what a big shot he is, yeah. And that's the thing where it's like, um, the empty, uh, like the empty can rattles the most. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. So I think in the, he plays it really well. He like, oh yeah, he's 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 very good in this role. Very good. Yeah. Everyone's really good. Uh, it's just that it just doesn't make any sense. You can't no. go from his first murder that he seemingly, mm-hmm. as an audience, we see that he gets away with. Yeah, and he seems to be okay with. Yes. Yeah. And then the next one is yeah. He's incarcerated. Right. I just I just didn't like that. No. And I thought in the biggest thing, the biggest difference, we'll get there, but the biggest difference is in the comic Well, I don't know if I want to say it and wait to the comic, but essentially he doesn't know what's Vicky. Until after he kills her. Yes. In the in the episode, he kills her knowing it's her. Yes. Yeah. And that's the big thing where I think that this episode misses the point of this of the source material. Mm-hmm. Where they just try to make it a little bit more spicy. Yeah. We're like, ooh, he knows, and he's still gonna do it. Yeah. But you miss the point because if he willingly kills her, knowing it's her, the shock that sends him to go insane isn't there yeah yeah he's just a piece of yeah, shit yeah you know so that's just my and he's not going to go and ins- he doesn't go insane in the comic like maybe he, maybe that's where he starts the fracture he, right he gets played though like he plays himself yes yes like he's here, haunted by what happens yes yeah. here like charlie doesn't really play himself we just skip time jump yeah to where he gets caught yeah it's just weird I yeah don't know. all right but, um but then at at the end of the story the crypt keeper uh Shows up at his bar and says, poor Charlie, I bet he wishes he killed that story. (laughs) Then he produces a shrunken head and says, you want a drink or should I put a head on this one? He laughs as he shoves a head into the drink. And that's it. It, the thing is, I I feel like we just went through this story super fast. Yeah, And we really did not. Really? Yeah. We, just, no, that's just it that's just it yeah even though it's like a 26 minute long episode i think honestly it was probably one of the fastest note-taking sessions i've yeah. ever had yeah i went through this quickly oh yeah. yeah which is funny because the one previously uh last tons and uh, tons of episode, notes w- way more notes yeah. than the other episode <laughs> but then again there was more narration yeah but. it's funny because this is a longer story in the comic oh yeah it has in, in, in but i think the comic has a lot more padding mm-hmm even though they add the subplot of the sleaze and whatever, actually, it's not really a sub subplot because that the the sleazy subplot is in this is in the comic. It's not explicitly it's, shown. Yes, like like I mean, there's just straight up boobies in, uh, in yeah. the episode, but right. it's a 1950s comic, right? But it's also um, they're showing something that is very much against um, the supposed mores of 1950s. Culture. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Which um, you know, 
wasn't didn't really exist right <laughs> yeah True. um anyway you want to go into the comic now let's do it sure uh so this is deadline from shock suspense stories number 12 do you know when this was published december 1953 wow 70 years ago right yeah it's crazy uh written by bill gaines and al feldstein art by jack Kamen, coloring by marie severin Larry, who looks just like Torgo from Manos, The Hands of Fate, is an alcoholic, down-on-his-luck reporter. He manages to land a job with a newspaper, swearing he's given up the drink after meeting a girl, Annie. Barely able to resist drinking, the thought of Annie is the only thing that keeps him going. Hoping a cup of coffee will kill his cravings, he stumbles into an all-night diner. When he overhears a fight between the owner and his wife that leads to a murder, Charlie thinks he may have found a story that will put him back on top. And nothing is going to ruin it for him. Ooh, uh, I like that. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Uh, <laughs> <coughs> oh, we ready? Yeah. All right, let's do it. So uh, the, the slight differences, uh, Charlie is uh, in the comic. He's Larry. Larry. Uh, Phil's the same. And Annie, uh, as Annie, opposed to. Yeah, Vicky is Annie. Yeah. So. Uh, all right. Once they again. make actually, you know, it, it's weird. But they make. We'll get into it when we get to her part. Yeah. Uh, deadline, shock suspense story number 12. Let's do it. Larry, down on his luck reporter, is asking editor Phil for another chance. This is one of my favorite. This, this, to me, this is the, the this best. This comic is so wordy. Oh, it's, it's good, though. Yeah, it is. It's yes. so good. So Larry says, I was the best reporter you ever had. And Phil says, a lot of gin has passed over the bar since then. That is such a great line. Such a great line. Larry says that he's done drinking and he is reformed. Phil says, wait, what's the pitch? Did you meet a dame? Then we flash back to Larry meeting Annie yeah. at the bar. It, it, I think this is very much uh, Bill Gaines and Al Feldstein trying to write a pulp noir story. Oh, yeah. The way the language they use, like, you know, like that line about the gin over the bar, yeah. the calling her a dame. What's the pitch? Yeah. Eh. Uh, th- in the flashback, Larry meets Annie at the bar, but. In, in, instead of the TV episode, she pursues him. Yes, yes. She's just straight up is like, yo, yeah. you're very handsome. And and in the show, they try to make, and I I, I always feel awkward when I use this word, but they make Vicky look sexy. Yeah. Yeah. Annie, on the other hand, they make her look like the 50s ideal all, of all womanly American virtue. Girl. Yeah, all-American girl. She's, you know, the blonde curled hair in the 50s style, um, blue eyes, like the pale, you know, the white skin. Dress. And, and yeah. then they, the dress she's wearing, like that, that standard, like, I don't know, like what they call those dresses. She looks like Donna Reed. Poodle skirt? It's not a poodle skirt because those are more like poofy and they have a poodle on them, I think. Oh, I guess. Um <laughs> Maybe, I don't know but, about my. But, but she's very much like Donna Reed. Like this is the woman you bring home to your mother. Oh yeah, and you for marry. sure. Yeah, like dress, sweater. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, nice hair. She pursues him at the bar. She says that he's handsome, and for them to leave the bar, and he agrees. You know, I think it's um, a sign that despite her supposed virtuous looks, she is not virtuous because she's approaching him. Right. And I'm not saying that that doesn't make a woman virtuous. I'm saying with like in the 1950s context of how gender roles are supposed to play out. Right. That he's not pursuing her. She is. She's being the sexually aggressive one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And on the car ride, she says that she doesn't want last names or phone numbers. She just wants to enjoy the night. Larry agrees. The next morning, Larry wakes up to a note. This is the confusing shit. Yeah. With a note that says, meet me next Tuesday, same time, same place. I love you. Yeah. What? She knows what she's doing. So in, for the thing is, this makes 
in my opinion, her the worse yeah. of her counterpart. Because yeah. in the TV episode, yeah, she's a little sleazier, you know, like, quote, like you said, sexied up. Yeah. You know, like with like leather instead of uh-huh. like a nice skirt and stuff. Yeah. But at least she's honest. Yeah. Like she's not saying, hey, no names, no phone numbers. Mm-hmm. By the way, I love you. Mm-hmm. After one night. Right. Like, that's kind of BS. Still doesn't deserve it, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I just say that because I don't want someone to come for us eventually. Like, this is going to be played back, like, in 10 years. And someone's like, they said this girl deserved it. Uh, no, no, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. At the newspaper, Larry says that he needs a job for clothes and a gift for a woman that he loves. Phil says he'll give him a trial run to get a big story. And then he's in. And Larry is grateful. This is a rough scene, too. This one. As Larry is leaving, Stan, another reporter who's not in the episode at yeah. all, cracks jokes at Larry as he's walking by. Larry, Larry stops him and says, hey, I'm on the comeback. Stan said, Stan says, why don't you do a spread on how a guy slides from the top to the bottom on a bottle of booze? Oh, that's great. This epi- Okay, first off, I think someone who wrote this, they have a family member who's an alcoholic. Yeah. Because they just rail into yeah. the the disease. They were working something out. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. They were venting in this in this uh, comic story. Larry leaves and thinks to himself, "No, I can do this." As he tears up, he then thinks of Annie. His resolve strengthens, and he goes about town the next day. But he doesn't get any leads. He is at his breaking point but decides to go get coffee at the local diner instead of going to the bar. Good yeah, he, he is like his eye. He's clenching his eyes. There's tears coming out. He can barely stand up. Yeah. Like he's like they show, show him like lurching and holding on the garbage can just to oh, yeah. stay upright. Right. He's uh, withdrawal, I guess. Is the Yeah, maybe. Or he's just I don't know if it's even withdrawal. It's just that like he just does not have the willpower. Right. He's trying, though. He yeah, to he's trying. He's yeah. trying. At the empty diner, Larry is about to yell for service, but he hears an argument in the back room. The man's voice says, you're not going anywhere. The woman's voice says, I'll do as I please, you fat slob. Oh. Why is I'm fatter than you are. <laughs> Larry hears a crash and screams. Larry bolts to the door to the back, and he's asking, what's going on in there? The diner owner walks out distraught, saying, I killed her, but she deserved it. Larry sees a woman face down, lifeless. And he says out loud, Gas, my story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he does. It's the first thing he says when he sees yeah. that. But he's like, Oh. Larry grabs a nearby napkin and pen and asks the man about what happened and why he killed his wife. The diner owner, Mike, explains that two years ago, she asked for a job and they got married, but she flirts with every man that she sees. Then we get a flashback to them at the diner when he asks her to marry him. And she says that she doesn't like to be tied down, doesn't want kids, but she'll think about it. She agrees later and spends all his money on clothes. Later, she would go out at night and say that it's none of his business where she's at. Mike hired a private dick who confirmed <laughs> that she has been picking up men. And you know, this, you know, that's funny because uh, that's what Charlie says in the episode. That's what Charlie says happened, but that's, that's not, not what, what Nico says. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder if like that's what Nico actually said, and somehow that line got excised from the episode. Oh, I thought he was trying to juicy up the story. It could have been. I don't know. Yeah, 
Because, I mean, he has a history of lying. Yeah, he, it, absolutely, yeah. But in this story, it actually happens. Yeah. This is just a more coherent story, in my opinion. Oh, sure. yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, this night, she was about to go leave, but he couldn't handle it and strangled her. Larry writes all this down and asks where the phone is and which is in the back room with the body. Larry calls the newspaper desk with a scoop, and Phil says, This is a great scoop. Come in for your first week's pay. Just then, the body starts to moan, and it scares Larry. The woman starts to come to, and she's still not facing yeah. Larry. She's just trying to like get on her feet. And Larry jumps uh, from behind her and strangles her from behind, yelling, No, you're not going to ruin everything for me. He calls the cops as she's finally dead, Larry turns her over and, re- and moves her hair over her face to reveal it's Annie. <gasps> Larry starts to cry and he says, I need a drink. Yeah. Then the narration says, yes, Larry, this, because th- the last shot yeah. is him sweating, saying I need a drink. Walking away from the body. Yeah. And, and the body's in the background, mm-hmm. but it's got this like, because she died with her eyes open. Yeah. In the look of fear. So it's terrifying. Yeah. And I wrote the... Um, the last narration, the last narration word for yeah. word, because I because it's so it's funny. so good. God damn it! So Larry says, "I need a drink." Nar- narrator says, "Yes, Larry, you need a drink. You'll need ten. You'll need twelve. You'll need a hundred drinks. No matter how much you drink, you'll never erase Annie's bulging eyes from your mind. You'll always see her, even in insensibility, even to the end." Oh. So fucking yeah. good. Just yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> um, so it's interesting how they took a story from this comic. Yeah. That's coherent. It's one mm-hmm. single piece. Yeah. And they I feel like they fumbled it. Yeah, like, absolutely. It's just absolutely. there's so many key things. Because one, he is distraught and his breaking point is the reveal of his love interest mm-hmm. being who he killed. Yeah. In the episode, he he kills her because it's her. Yeah. And it's just, I think that it, removes the main focus yeah. of the story. And it doesn't seem like he, when he kills her, he doesn't seem to have the same mental reaction that Larry does. Right. This this is going to haunt Larry for the rest of his days. Whereas Charlie was like, well, I killed her and I started a career as a as a crime beat reporter who kills people. Right. He and he doesn't have the the remorse they talk about uh, Larry having. Right. Even in that in that final scene, he's like, yep, yeah, I did it. Because the 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 thing that I like more, I would, I'm already, you, I'm sure you already know this, but yeah. I love this ep- the comic way more. Oh, absolutely. It's it's twice as good as the episode. Yes. Props to the acting. I think the acting was really good. Mm-hmm. I just felt like, like you said, you made a valid point. It felt like the third act was just cut out yeah. in editing. Yeah. And I, I don't care for the um, insane asylum, straight jacket yeah. thing. With this, not only do you get more story emphasis on his struggle with alcoholism, because mm-hmm. it's played almost for a laugh. In the episode, yes, where it's kind of he's just as unhinged, like. But in this story, in the comic story, he's trying. He's trying, and I, I, I don't know how you felt, but I felt bad when the people were making fun of him. The other reporters, yes, yeah, because I mean, he he was. I, I I feel like Larry in the comic is a better person. Yeah, quote unquote. Yes, not saying he's a good person. No, he's a better person. Yeah. Than his counterpart on the episode, because in the episode he takes money from his disabled mm-hmm. sister, 
I say disabled sister. He says like, oh, there was like a line that he kind of throws away where he's like, what? Uh, it's hard for me to, to make rent, but you get this disability check every month. Right. So he's taking his disability check money from his sister. Yeah. He's making everybody think that he's a big shot. Mm-hmm. But Larry legitimately, I mean, yeah, he's kind of dumb for falling in love with a woman that he just met. Uh-huh. But he does, and he does cross the line to get that story. Yeah. He's so he has to make it. Larry is, is struggling with his alcoholism. Yes. Right. Where Charlie is, and he's, and Larry is trying to actually get past it. Yes. He's, he's, he is trying to get past it. Whereas Charlie, also an alcoholic, but he is lying to other people to cover for his alcoholism. Yes. Yeah. He has, he, he has no intention to stop drinking ever. Right. Yeah. And I think that the final scene where he, it is revealed that he did kill his love interest for the sake of a story to get his career back on track is a little has more emphasis because we care about him. Yeah. We don't care about Charlie. He's yeah. a piece of shit mm-hmm. from the very early onset. He's a piece of shit mm-hmm. here. At least like, yes, you fucked up. You murdered someone that's wrong. Yeah. But you did it under duress because you're trying. I mean, does that make sense? Yeah, It, it makes sense. Like he does it because he, in my mind, he does it because, Hey, I'll get my job. I'll be able to be with Annie. Right. Right. And whereas uh, or Charlie was just like, I don't care if it's Annie. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like, oh, how could you do this to me? By the way, got a new scoop. Right. You know, this is, and I love this last line because one, he doesn't get caught mm-hmm. because he really shouldn't. No. I mean, it because I only look at the evidence that the story tells me. Mm-hmm. The story tells me the diner owner says that he did it. He's already confessing. He's yeah. waiting for the cops to arrive. Mm-hmm. So... He gets away with it, but that's not the point. The point is he's never going to be able to unsee yeah. her bulging eyes. Yeah. And that's almost like, I don't know, Edgar Allan Poe kind of yeah. thing where it's like, that's your prison. Yeah. I think that they they made his uh, prison literal in the TV episode. Too, too literal. Too literal. Um, And, and you know, his... Him going insane in the episode is like incongruous from what he tells us. Yes, because he's like, "Yep, I, I, this, I, this became my life, basically." Right? We're like, "Okay, so why did you end up in, the, in an insane asylum in a straitjacket? Why not just prison? How'd you get caught? Yeah, how'd you get Where's caught? The trial? Yeah, and whereas you, uh, Charlie, not Charlie, um, Larry, Larry. Well, I think I might actually said Charlie during the synopsis on accident. Um, whereas Larry, you see why this, why, why he may end up in an in insane asylum. Oh yeah. yeah. He's definitely going back to the bar. Yeah. Like it, it's ultimately it, he is both are defeated, Yeah, but at least this, the comic it, makes sense. This and the comic is where we said the episode was just the beginning of the story. Right. This is the end of the story. Yeah. He's done. He's yeah. in the, he is either going to die in a insane asylum, or in an prison, alley. or an alley. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Uh, I just think it's a more uh, solid foundation of a story. I just think they kind of misinterpreted the meaning. Yeah. Especially like the, what the motivations that we're supposed to see in the characters. Yeah. Especially like they don't make us feel bad for Charlie at all. No. At all. And there's at least two or three scenes, uh, or panels rather, in uh, the comic where you're like, damn. Fuck, lay off him like he's trying like, <laughs> yeah you know so i'm definitely going to give the story an a minus and I, honestly i just might give the comic like a c plus yeah i B-. think yeah I, I, i'd go with just a straight a and then a c 
Yeah. Yeah. Because there's just something that if you're going to build this story, especially noir, because noir is very focused on story. Yeah. Plot twist, motivations. Yeah. And when you when you leave what I feel is a good ten to fifteen minute scene of explanation yeah. of how we got from A to B, mm-hmm. I'm out. Yeah. Like I'm I'm yeah. de invested. So um definitely I would say if you can get a hold of this story, I would definitely check it out. Oh, yeah. Because it can, is beautiful, and we, the art is beautiful. It, absolutely. We could put a link to it somewhere. Hell, maybe. yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's it. I mean, pretty yeah. much like a really short story. It is. It is. You know, it, it's funny, too. It, it feels like a short story, but I think it was the eight-pager in the comic. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. lead story, even though it's not the um, uh, cover story. Yeah. Uh, the cover, actually, is one of those one of the ones that got them in trouble. Really? Yeah. It's um, where the dude is clearly going through um, like heroin withdrawal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I looked up some of the prices of these old comics. Oh yeah, oh god, They're fucking ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, even like you know, like a two graded. Oh yeah, is like still thousands of dollars. Oh yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but man, uh, Bruce sent me a link to um, Dark Horse Direct, who yeah. are Dark Horse is the uh, current publisher who's reprinting yeah. old EC. Yeah, stories. they have the rights to it and everything. Yeah, and. That's one reason I have uh, all the books they've released so far. Mm-hmm. It's been very helpful. They are releasing a Crypt Keeper, Old Witch, uh, Vault Keeper, Vault Keeper book stands. Yeah. And I fucking want them so fucking bad <laughs> because I have the EC books and I think that would be a perfect display. Yes. It's so, I can't justify $300 a piece. A right? piece? I, is it $300 a piece or for the set? It has to be for the set. Let's see. Tell us the Crypt bookends. Yeah, it has to be for the set. But I was so disappointed at the price, but they look so good. But I can't I can't justify <laughs> book stands that are three hundred dollars. Yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. Oh no, it is um You're right. It is three hundred dollars for all three together, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't justify that. No fucking yeah. way. But still super cool though yeah it, hey it comes with a free digital code for 700 pages of ec classic stories it better yeah includes cells in the crib volume one and choke gasp the best of 75 years of ec comics choke gasp <laughs> which is something you see a lot in the comics people do that choke. oh yeah <gasps> i i realize how many times now that we're doing you know we're doing this show and stuff is how many times people go good lord yeah <laughs> which um yeah it was super fun yeah um we're almost done with, with the season yeah we have one episode see. left i think Ooh, no we have two because the last episode of this fucking season uh, you know like um when you open the the dvd boxes you pull out the disc yeah there's this little slip where it shows the episodes in order like yeah. the names the last one i remember very vividly <laughs> it is Yellow. That's the last one. Yes. But the one we're going to cover next time is Spoiled. Yes. From Haunt of Fear, number 26. So we're getting back into... I, you know what? Actually, no, this is a horror story. Horror story. Right. Um, but I think Spoiled is another Shock Suspense Stories. In fact, it actually was from the very first issue of Shock Suspense Stories. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I can't... Uh, I don't remember spoil too much, so I'm excited to delve back into it. Mm-hmm. But I remember yellow, yellow, yeah. That move, that episode goes hard as fuck. Yeah, that's the one set like during World War One, I, I think. Yes. World War Two, yeah. yeah. I'm very excited. I mean, you know me, I'm a history nerd, so yeah. Oh yeah. Anytime an episode, how many episodes go back in time? Not many. Not many. No. So I'm no. excited about it for sure. But next one will be spoiled, like you said. Awesome. Until then, we have social media. Where can you find you, Ryan? 
You all can find me at Whore Ryan on Twitter. You can also find the podcast at Crypt Keepers Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me at Mr. Spooky Bruce on Twitter. And we also have an email address. What is the email address? Crypt Keepers Show at thegmail.com. The <laughs> uh, if you like the show, leave a rating and review on the podcast app of your choice and share it with a friend. We want to thank you so much for listening. And until next time, see you soon, kitties. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know what we should have done what we should have just like cut out the last third of the episode <laughs> just jump to the end <laughs> so here i am poor ryan i guess you could say that i need to write a book about my double life as a burlesque dancer and a podcast host well see ya <laughs>